welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Today's podcast is going to be uh, a little bit reactionary. Uh, because I want to deal with an issue actually that's becoming uh, larger and larger in the Christian community today. Uh, It actually relates to a podcast I did three weeks ago where uh, we centered around the fact that we as Christians can confidently walk into the public square and say, thus saith the Lord. In other words, Uh, We talked about the fact that the authority of Scripture is sufficient. I don't need to modify my approach for unbelievers. And so, if there is an unbeliever, you know, who is perhaps, let's say, considering abortion, I don't need to go to that person and and try to figure out a non-theological answer because it might appeal to them uh, better than a theological answer. Uh, No, I can go to the unbeliever and confidently say, hey, this is right or this is wrong because God says so. Uh, But since that time, I actually came across a video uh, and a book arguing uh, in the exact opposite direction. It's a very short clip, uh, and I'm going to play it here, but before I do play it, I I did want to say something uh, about this. Uh, The clip is of Andy Stanley. I have never met him before. Uh, I am certain that he is, uh, you know, an enjoyable guy to hang out with. I'm not commenting on uh, his character or his uh, his commitment to uh, to uh, his ministry. Uh, I, I just merely want to point out his teaching because what he is teaching, and, and as you'll hear in this clip, is so uh, detrimental to uh, to Christianity. We can confidently go into the public square and say, "Thus saith the Lord." But let's uh, listen to what he says, and then I'll comment on it here in a minute. So. If I could spend the rest of my life talking to church leaders about one thing, it would be this. For the sake of the next generation, not this generation, you're fine, you're going to go to heaven when you die and all your friends are Christians, you're fine, you know. But for the sake of the next generation, I'm convinced that we must, as teachers and preachers and church leaders and Sunday school teachers and curriculum writers and book writers, that we must step back onto the much firmer foundation of the first century apologetic that centered not on a text but on an event. That the, the rallying cry of the first century church not, it was not, it is written. It was, it has happened. And we have become a text-driven faith, which was fine when everybody took the Bible seriously, but they don't anymore. And not only do they not anymore, because actually they have it for a long, long time, all right, there you have it. Uh, that clip was actually posted on the Facebook page Deep and Wide, which is, I guess, his or his ministry's uh, Facebook page. Uh, and just to be fair, I, I did read there actually is a, a small ebook that you can download for free uh, uh, if you go to that link there um, that goes along with this video. And I did read that book um, just to make sure that I was uh, doing the best that I could to, to fairly represent him. The book title, by the, by the way, uh, is uh, Why the Bible Says So Isn't Enough Anymore. So again, directly related to the topic I did a few weeks ago, and honestly, uh, did not know that this clip was out there uh, or this book was out there when I when I did that. Otherwise, I would have uh, pulled it in then. Um, but in his book, uh, 
it's and again it's like 27 pages short ebook uh stanley he affirms interestingly off the the chicago statement um which for those of you who may not know what that is it's a uh, conservative statement on biblical inerrancy uh, you may recognize some of the signers of that document, John MacArthur, Francis Schaefer, R.C. Sproul, James Montgomery Boyce. Um, it, the, the Chicago Statement is actually a good document. I, I would affirm that document. And so what, it's very interesting to note that Stanley is saying that he affirms the inerrancy and the infallibility of Scripture, but his argument is that the Bible is no longer credible in the eyes uh, of the unbeliever. And as he points out in his book, he makes a distinction between the unbeliever and the post-Christian. Um, and so because of this, he suggests that we Christians need to change our tactic on how we reach out to unbelievers. In his book, uh, I'm going to just read one quote here. He says this, quote, Shifting the conversation away from the authority of the Scripture to the authority, courage, and faithfulness of the men and women behind our scriptures has not only enabled me to better connect with post-Christians, it's done wonders for the faith of the faithful, end quote. And yet, interestingly enough, okay, so in his book, he's talking about um, shifting authority away from the Bible to the people behind the Bible. And our article one of the Chicago statement says this, quote, we affirm that the Holy Scriptures are to be received as the authoritative word of God. We deny that the Scriptures receive their authority from the church tradition or any other human source, end quote. Interesting um, to uh, observe this collision in his thought process. You can't have it both ways. You can't say the Bible is the authoritative word and yet at the same time say you want to shift away from biblical authority to the authority of the fallible men and women behind Scripture. I just want to give four reasons why we ought not to adopt this way of thinking. First reason is this. Number one, God elevates his word, and so should we. Psalm 138 verse 2 says this, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For... You have exalted above all things your, two things here, your name and your word. And so we're told right here in Psalm 138, interestingly enough, that God elevates his word. God is at work elevating and exalting his word in this world. And so we don't want to be found working against God in his agenda for this world. A couple more verses, Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. He doesn't say by guarding it according to events. He identifies specifically the sanctifying nature of the word of God. It is sufficient. Or Isaiah 42. You'll note in verses 18 through 20 that Israel is condemned because they can't see truth. God is admonishing the blind to see and the deaf to hear. What does God tell these people? In verse 21, he says this, The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. You don't hide the written word of God from the blind because that's the only thing that can open their eyes. God is at work magnifying his law, uh, in particular in this context to those who are blind and cannot see. And then last under uh, this, this point here, 
I want to bring up Psalm, or I'm sorry, Revelation 19.13, uh, where Jesus Christ himself is actually called the Word of God. Revelation 19.13, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. I don't hear in these verses, and I don't hear anywhere in Scripture, God saying, oh, your culture doesn't take my word seriously. Okay, find something else that's authoritative. The Word of God is authoritative whether it is accepted as so or not. Second point I want to bring out here is uh, diminishing the word undermines God's sovereignty. Now, I'm not suggesting that God's sovereignty is actually inhibited. Rather, what I'm saying is that it implies that the Holy Spirit is insufficient and that we have to resort to this kind of pragmatic kind of uh, approach. The Bible is not enough, and so we've got to somehow uh, figure out with our own wisdom what is enough. And note in particular Romans 10, uh, 14 to 17. How will they then call on him whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, who has believed what he has heard from us? So, and then here's the point here. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so, Paul makes a direct link here between having faith and having heard the word. And, And he links that back to the scripture and the authority of it. Number three, third point I want to bring out is this. Uh, Diminishing the word embraces the foolish presuppositions of the unbeliever. Uh, We actually uh, discussed Psalm, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 in uh, that podcast I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago. Actually, uh, I think it was just verse 4, but I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now, in verse 4, uh, we note that we're not supposed to answer the fool according to his folly. This means that you're not supposed to embrace the foolish presuppositions of the unbeliever. In Stanley's book, he identifies, again, the unbeliever and the post-Christian. But regardless of who we're talking about here, a Proverbs admonishes us to reject rather to embrace their presuppositions. If we accept their terms, that is to say... If we accept the fact, or or I should say, if we accept uh, the claim that the Bible is discredited in their eyes, and we try to bring truth to them on their terms, the problem with that, according to Proverbs, is that we have become like them. Imagine with me for a moment that you uh, you've got this blind man who's walking on railroad tracks, and there's a train coming, and and so you yell uh, to him that he needs to get off the tracks because of the danger, but he says he doesn't believe you because he can't see the train. And so, so here's how you don't help that guy. You don't help him by putting a blindfold on yourself and becoming blind yourself so you can relate to him. 
You see, that's what Proverbs is warning us against. It's saying, don't embrace the presuppositions of the unbeliever. Don't embrace the wrong thinking of the so-called post-Christian. Don't embrace their way of thinking because the moment you do that, you also have become foolish like them. Now, interestingly enough, once we get to verse 5 in Proverbs 26, it tells us that we should embrace the foolish presuppositions of the unbeliever. But this is to be done, note the verse, lest he be wise in his own eyes. In other words, you are temporarily embracing his folly, taking his folly to its logical conclusion for the sake of argument. You demonstrate to the unbeliever or the post-Christian the folly, for example, of rejecting biblical authority. So, so what is, here's what I'm saying. What you're doing, according to Proverbs 26, is you're showing them how foolish it is to embrace that unbelieving starting point. You're showing them how foolish it is to reject, thus saith the Lord. Um, you are doing that to show him that he must reject his own autonomy and embrace the authority of the word. Only when you begin with God and his word can you speak with any sort of authority. Note uh, Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Stanley misses this important point, and he misses the reality that all wisdom begins with God himself. By setting aside biblical authority and replacing it with, with these events, as he calls them, he teaches the unbeliever that the Bible is not important. It doesn't have to be taken seriously. It's not authoritative. I'm not saying he tends to do that, by the way. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't think he's intending to um, tell the unbeliever that the Bible is not important. But that's the result of it. And, and what you're communicating is that wisdom can be obtained without God as the foundation for that wisdom. Number four, um, I want to note here, God's prophets spoke on the authority of God's word to people who didn't believe God's word. And so, uh, just one example here is um, Moses and Pharaoh. Notice Exodus 5.1. We read this. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go. All right, so that's Exodus 5.1. What is Pharaoh's response to thus saith the Lord? Exodus 5.2. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, moreover, I will not let Israel go. If there was any time that would be perfect to implement this strategy of just kind of setting aside God's word and just putting it, oh, Pharaoh doesn't accept this? Oh, Pharaoh doesn't believe in God's word. So let's find a different connecting point. Um, How does Moses respond to that? Go, go read the book of Exodus. Does he modify his approach? Does he abandon the authority of God's word? No. Moses continues to say over and over and over and over again uh, in Pharaoh's presence, thus says the Lord. God's prophets did not abandon the authority of his word, neither should we. There, there are... Um, there are a lot of people who do listen to, to Andy Stanley, and yet what I want to do, again, in love, this is not an attack, a, a personal attack, um, 
it's it's really a caution or, or a warning uh, of the danger that comes when we jettison biblical authority. Do we really believe that something other than the word is sufficient? Something else is authoritative? If so, who gets to decide what that is? Who gets to make the determination uh, to say this is authoritative instead of that? Do we really want to say that the church has been too text-centered and now we need to be event-centered? After all, where do we learn about the events? From the text, from the word. What happens when we exchange the authority of the word for the authority of man? The Bible says that we are cursed. Jeremiah 17:5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. I'm suggesting this is what's happening. When we jettison biblical authority, we are taking our trust and we are transferring it from the Word of God to something else that has been made uh, and created and manufactured by man. And when we're in that position, we're cursed. Instead, I want to be the person who wants more of God's Word to be more text driven to be more word-centered, which according to Revelation, to be word-centered is also to be Christ-centered and to be Christ-driven. Psalm 119 verse 20. uh, This this is what I want in my own life more of. He, He says this, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Consumed with longings, longing for your rules at all times. May that describe every one of us. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.